Welcome to the Gridiron Show. We are back to finish our preview of the first round of the NFL draft. Ollie Conley here alongside Cy Clancy. Cy, how are you? Good, Ollie. How are you? Doing well. We have, what, five more picks to get through? We do. Uh, with our final preview of this draft. And what we've done throughout this process is kind of bounced around between different position groups, general big picture ideas about this draft class, who could move up, who could move down. So I would encourage you, if you are listening to this in the morning of the draft, to go back and binge listen to about three hours worth of stuff we got through because we cover a whole range of topics that aren't specific to delving through the individual picks and the teams. The one thing that jumped out to me as we got to these final few picks was I saw a report earlier about Dallas, who I know is not exactly in these picks, but it was about them getting up into that, I think 13 was the range they wanted to get to which is a, a, a very specific number, which is interesting. And it made me think we've discussed through this whole process about how how close all the position groups are. Like my top receiver might be your fourth, but they're all really talented. So it's all really packed together in these individual position groups that are stacked edge line uh, receiver that Corner, we mentioned. Yeah. Corner's another one. And so you're going to get teams where they're going to be watching the draft go through and say, our fifth best player, is on the board at 13. Mm. And so is there anyone to you who stands out from kind of maybe this latter group? I know we, we touched on kind of the 20s and down earlier, who you think could be already saying on draft day, we reckon based on whispers, rumor, and kind of just general vibe around the league, one of our five, six, 10 best players is going to be there if we can get ourselves to the charges at 17 or even higher than that. Yeah, I mean, I, looking around, it feels like guys like Linderbaum, you know, I've seen a couple of mocks where, you know, the, the great Iowa centre sort of falls out the first round. There's some, you know, Jermaine Johnson, we talked about it earlier on today, but Jermaine Johnson, somebody that, you know, both Peter King and Albert Breer had falling. I was just looking at Peter King's mock earlier on. He had him, Jermaine Johnson falling to 23. Yeah, I've seen people this evening, Matt Miller, um, from Bleacher Report talking about, you know, could Johnson go as high as four? Yeah, Connor Hughes, who's super plugged in with the Jets, is convinced that, that that's their guy. Right. Which, okay. if it's not Source Gardner, then maybe it could be him as their age. But that's that that's a great example for the listeners of the range of, there is no one more plugged into the entirety of the league than Peter King. And then you have a very specific beat writer saying, no, the Jets like these two guys. Yeah. So if they take Source, well, then maybe he's, they're both correct, right? Where they really like Source and then Johnson slides all the way down into those 20s then because people just like other edge players. Yeah, exactly. And I think like corner is such a, and we've talked about this, you know, ad infinitum when we've sat, sat down and done these, but you know, there are going to be teams that don't have Source Gardner as their, as their number one. There might be teams that have Derek Stingley. There might be, you know, all I've heard about Trent McDuffie is that he's absolutely blown the doors off of every single interview that he's done, you know, A++++ in terms of how he's performed on the board, how his attitude is, uh, you know, the reports back from coaches at Washington, all those sorts of things. You know, his teammate, Carla Gordon, does he go in the 45s? Does he go back in the first round? Do you, you know, is there a team that sort of feels like, you know, in the 20s, they're going to they're gonna take him? You talk about uh, Kaya Elam, as you, you discussed earlier on, you know, he could be number one on some teams' boards. On others, he could be number six, you know, and that, you know, he could go at 10, 12, 14, or he could go at, 35, 38. I just think it's a really interesting one. There are going to be teams that value a Christian Watson, somebody that can, you know, is big, is long, is is built really well, who stood up and performed at the senior bowl against a high level of competition. Somebody who looked great, fantastic, kind of vines for arms, outstanding blocker, both at the point of attack at the line of scrimmage, down the field, obviously has the drops issues. Sky Moore, another guy, you know, people talk about Sky Moore, would he go sort of mid to late second round? 
you know, we talked about it earlier on when we talked about the Green Bay Packers taking him at the back end of the first. It's just so interesting. It's such a, I know people have talked this draft down, but it is so interesting because there are so many players just slotted in sort of very, very close together. And, you know, Miami's choice of edge rusher might be very different to Buffalo's and it might be very different to Philadelphia's and very different to San Francisco's, you know, whereas Miami would have guy A at number one and San Francisco might have guy A at number six and flip it. It's just, it's really yeah. hard to tell, but it's it's part of what makes the draft so, so beautiful. It's why I think this class is so fun because I think people have gone through that mindset and then kind of demerited the overall class i think all these guys are really good i do not think it's a case of there ain't no good players you know it's like oh we're trying to find a good edge run i think all those top seven edge guys are really really good and will be good very fast the thing that's interesting particularly with the corner group we haven't discussed this a lot where throughout this process we've discussed a lot about the linebackers and the fronts where in the nfl now each front is so unique at this point because they're all so multiple. They're all fitting the run in a very specific way. And so that compromises what you do at the linebacker level where, as we mentioned on the earlier shows, what I would want as a linebacker is so different than what the Chargers would want as a linebacker, which is so different than what Miami want as a linebacker. Those are two different worlds, the Chargers system and the Miami system. It's, they're not even playing linebacker together. One yeah. is basically a safety. One is an edge defender playing inside, right? Those are two different body types, two different responsibilities. And what, what you tie that into, the front is always married to the coverage. So if you're playing a particular front, you can only play certain brands of coverages. So you're going to get the same thing where, Certain t- the Chargers can only pick if we go through the top six and you say McCreary's the cut off, Gordon's the cut off for your top six corners. They can only schematically pick two of those guys. Hmm. So that, that 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 means that their seventh guy might be your eighteenth guy, yeah. right? In, in your system, so it's 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 a really interesting one in that regards. And I know that scheme has always been a massive thing, right? This isn't that the first time scheme fits is a big thing, but because teams are now so unique compared to what they were three four years ago, and because college teams in particular are so unique compared to what they were three four years ago. You really either have to gamble on traits and hope that a guy like you said has blown you away in the process where he can describe your scheme back to you and you're like, okay, this guy might get it. Or you have to see it and only very few of them are putting what you want in your system on tape. Yeah, I think two of the most interesting guys in the whole process are Tyler Linderbaum and Nakobe Dean. You know, mm-hmm. guys that you would absolutely bang the table for in terms of the way they performed at an All-American level in college. But size, height, weight, you know, injury restrictions, certainly when you talk about Kobe Dean seems to, you know, certainly been percolating in the last couple of days, some of those injury concerns. Again, Breer and, and King didn't have Dean in their first rounds. And you just think, you know, these are two guys that maybe five, 10 years from now, we look back and go, how did they not go in the top 12? How did they not, you know, look at what Kobe Dean does. You look at his, his vision, his eyes, his instincts, his one step ahead of almost everybody in terms of play recognition. You look at Linda Baum and, you know, how he gets up, as we talked about earlier on, how he gets up and out of his stance and into the back of the guard almost because he's so quick. He's up on that that outside shoulder so quick. But these are two players that just, you know, because of the very nature of what we're talking about, might fall out of the first round, might fall, you know, where where might Nicobe Dean fall to if people ask him yeah. about his injuries at 226, you know, despite the fact he won the Buckus, despite the fact that he won the high school Buckus, uh, and what a, you know, proved what a fantastic player he is, what a great leader he is, you know, he's the... You know the green dot defender for for Georgia in terms of calling plays and and getting everybody lined up and but you know he's just he's just he's capped out at he can only play in a sift and find responsibility as a linebacker where yeah. it's like we're gonna leave you back there mate 
We'll keep everything clean up front because we're going to play with some with three interior guys minimum. So we're playing an odd front defense. And it's like, okay, so that's that Vic Fangio, Brandon Staley style. The whole league is running that right now. But do they want to be running that in two years? Do you know what I mean? So it's like he can only be the one in that setup. And so that naturally caps the positions you can go to in the league as opposed to like an Isaiah Simmons where every team in the league is like we think we could fashion a role maybe we think he's an edge maybe we think he's a safety that's where he gets in trouble same with Linderbaum I imagine you could go to the Pats right now and ask them to say where would you rank him just pure talent wise and they'd say oh we love him he's our sixth best player in the class but he can't play in their system there's no need to draft him then so there's be plenty of teams who will look at those two guys and say we love him Dean will be every evaluator's favorite player because one he's the most fun and every box you could ever hope for he ticks them all right absolutely it's just like some of them are going to say well sorry mate but our our linebackers have to explode into pulling guards and he just isn't the guy for that so we have to knock him out basically of our ranking so it's fascinating in that aspect where there's a lot of guys this year who are pigeonholed sounds wrong, but it's just like, why take guys who won't fit? We, we've been through this so many times where it's like, it's just not worth asking these guys who are that special. I think Dean is special. I think Lindemann is super duper special. Yeah. If they're allowed to do what they do best and it would just be irrelevant and pointless to put Lindemann into a system where you ask him to hold the point and you pull guys around him. It's like, well, why would you put him into Pittsburgh? Why would you put him into new England? Unless you all agreed to say, we are drafting him to completely shapeshift our structure into what he does best. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, the picks then. So we'll get into 26 with Tennessee, who I have absolutely no feel for. I'm not sure about you. Receiver's a big thing, right? They let Julio Jones go. They traded for Robert Woods. And you would say we would probably want more juice there. But they really could be. 26 is a sneaky range for one of these QBs. There's not an awful lot being talked about Ryan Tannehill. And if Malik Willis is there, which I don't think he would be at that spot, it's like, could you talk yourself into being the the team who takes a massive swing on one of the QBs? What if this was the first spot that a quarterback comes off the board? (laughs) Do you know what I mean? I don't think it's beyond the realms. Do you know what I mean? I think it could be one of those possibilities where you just see a, a guy like a Malik Willis, if he's still there, coming off the board here because, you know, I think they can get there's an out on Ryan Tannehill after this season. I, I think the other, I mean, I've got a couple of guys who are out in Vegas at the moment who've done the media rounds with the players that are out there today. Zion Johnson spoke to a colleague of my friend of mine and said he absolutely believes he's going to the Titans, um, which is which I found interesting. And obviously they're sort of moving, I think, you know, that kind of longer term plan is to run outside zone um, for the foreseeable future. And I think the acquisition of Robert Jones sort of tips their hat a little bit in terms of their plans for, for doing that. So, you know, does that put a Linderbaum in play? I know Ben Jones is, they re-signed Ben Jones, but, you know, he's nearly as old as I am now. And, um, you know, so what are you laughing at? And, um, you know, but also, you know, with the, the Isaiah, with the um, with the disaster that they had with um, Isaiah Wilson a couple of years ago, you know, do they look and strengthen tackles? Taylor Luan is what, the third, mid, early to mid-30s, must yeah. be. You know, you look at, a, you know, look at somebody like, they got it so wrong with Wilson in terms of his off the field issues, you know, what about somebody like, you know, Bernard Ryman, for example, who is everything that Isaiah Wilson isn't, you know, in terms of his background, in terms of his history, in terms of what a great kid he is, you know, working with Paul Alexander, all that sort of stuff, you know, the, the great story of growing up in Austria and coming over and being bitten by the bug and going to seven on sevens in, um, in Michigan and turning into, you know, a, a really good player at central Michigan. Obviously he's older, 
um, but an absolute sponge in terms of how he's been soaking up information. You know, why wouldn't they potentially look at look at tackle? But I do think I do think quarterback's really interesting. It's just a really interesting situation. I think they're the one on QB where they have the freest hit for sure. Yeah. Where it's like if they just like Desmond Ridder and the rest of us are like iffy on Desmond Ridder, it's like take the swing at twenty six. Who is going to care in two years time if you, if the Tennessee Titans missed on Desmond Ridder? It's like you roll with Tannehill, you've got the complete free year, and then you get to next year and you could just say ah, it didn't work out. The same way the Packers with Jordan Love, they're like we really like Jordan Love. Uh, we're not quite so sure though if it's good enough to displace yeah. Aaron Rodgers. So we're just going to keep kicking this can down the road. They they could do that exact same thing. I think the other one for them that stands out. And I don't really think we've gotten into this discussion much bes- beside the general overview of the, the classes. We just haven't discussed tight ends throughout this first round. No, we haven't. And they are the only team who are saying like they need a tight end. Now, would you extend to say, go get us a Trey McBride? I don't know. Dulcich would fit them maybe, as you said, trying to move more to this outside zone-oriented scheme where he's more of the all-rounder. They could be the team maybe at 26, but even that just feels rich when you could just go get yourself plug and play Zion Johnson and say, let's just settle that thing down. Yeah, absolutely. But then you look at that tight end, you know, and you look at how you go back and look at how successful Ryan Tannehill was when he first went to Tennessee in terms of, and they didn't seem to run nearly as much of it last year. I know Arthur Smith moved on, but that bootleg action that he used to run in the early days when he went there, you know, the reliance on the tight end in terms of how he and Johnny Smith like really kind of hit it off. Getting Tannehill out of the pocket was always, I always thought was that was a really good thing to do because obviously he can use his athletic ability, can obviously throw on the run. But you look at that tight end class, the tight end lineup and the, the Titans, I'll just Google it here, but Austin Fort, Austin Hooper, Tommy Hudson, Ryan Izzo, Riley Moore and Jeff Swain doesn't exactly, you know, set the world alight in terms of, you know, the sorts of talent that you'd you'd like to think that they could rely on if they were going to, you know, try and get Tannehill moving around. So, you know, Trey McBride might make sense. But then again, that tight end class, you kind of feel like if all of a sudden we're talking, if quarterbacks do start to fall, if we're all of a sudden talking about, you know, there's at what point is there a run on corners? At what point is there a run on receivers? At what what point, you know, we're still talking, you know, we don't have Nicobe Dean off the board yet. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You might be in a situation where Trey McBride, when you come back around mid portion of the second round, you know, McBride and the Dulcich are sitting there at 55, 58, 60. Do you know what I mean? It's just, yeah, just don't know. And that's, that's what makes this one so intriguing. There's not, there's, there's not one of them that's good enough to be bothered when the value is so strong in those other position groups. And this is what's so funny about it is we have these position groups, edge receiver line that are all so good. You almost don't want to miss out and be the team that said, well, we'll take the swing on the position groups. We're not so sure about interior line beyond Linda Baum, green uh, and Johnson, and then be left holding a bag whilst all these receivers go running around the NFL for the yeah. first eight weeks of the season. Absolutely. So you want, to, you want to do what you said. That's kind of like, I would say the coward's way out. Cause as we said earlier, you take the players you believe in just take them where you want to take them. But you want to say to yourself, like let's take Zion Johnson and then we'll swing back around. And if one of them's there and it ends up being Isaiah likely in the fourth, we'll just do that one. And yeah. at least it's, it's a piece, but I would just not want to come away from this first round. If I want these teams not with an edge receiver, or an yeah, offensive lineman. Or an offensive lineman. No, I agree. Agree. Uh, which takes us to Tampa quite nicely because if I'm them, I'm running up to the podium with whatever interior lineman is left available. Same. Would could I talk myself into just getting some juice on the outside just for the fun of it? Because that would just be a real blast to go and get some fun I on could, the outside. I could talk again. myself into two things. I could talk myself into a Jarbo potentially mm-hmm. if he was there. 
and I could talk myself into George Pickens for the reason that we talked earlier on about Tom Brady and the NIL deal and the fact that Russell Gage is your number three, Mike Evans has been injured, Chris Godwin with the ACL. You know, George Pickens playing under Tom Brady. I mean, Give me a break. <laughs> I've heard crazier things, right? That wouldn't be fair. That should not be allowed, in fact. Goodell should read it and go, no, no. <laughs> okay, look, you're already skirting the salary cap with these fake deals where you're paying a 50-year-old man $9 million a year. So, please. <laughs> I no. just want to literally see him rip up the paper, toss it to the floor, and just be like, just do it again. Ajabo is another one. This range screams Ajabo to me. And if I was one of these teams, I'd be trying to get into that Dallas-Arizona slot if one of them goes up and another team comes down and they're willing to maybe move back down again. Because as we mentioned with the Packers earlier, he will be available for the second half of the season. Yeah, And their whole season-to-season timeline is the playoffs. You know, if they go... 10 and 7 they're probably going to make the postseason it's all about what happens on third down when they go to green bay or when they have to play san francisco so the injury is almost not inconsequential to them if they think the medical report is fine and, and achilles injuries though they are devastating to careers sometimes and have, have been that way historically it, it's not quite as impactful now and the surgery is not one of those ones where you hear these things like oh they didn't put the foot back together like when they get the list frank stuff people get so terrified because there's different techniques and it's like oh but he got this one and we don't love that one whereas with the achilles it's like yeah it's just ruptured mate we sewed it back up and you know hopefully he'll be fine in in eight months time so uh, it would be really hard for me if i'm then to not take a job but then part of them with a new staff um or at least you know the, the same staff all pushing up one level yeah. maybe they do want to just take someone they know they can play week one and, and with the changes they've had in the interior of the offensive line and the fact tom brady runs the organization maybe he just says green Johnson, whoever's available, I take that guy. Yeah, agreed. agreed. Would you look at Ebikiti there? Would would you would Edge be first, second, third in the pecking order for you? Let, let's say Pickens is available. They've got Johnson and Green on the board. Is Edge third for you, or would you put it second? I think it's probably third. I, mean, I suppose you look at Shaq Barrett, what, 31 next year. JPP is unsigned. I, I yeah. think, you know, I, I, I think it's got to be up there in terms of, and you, you also look at, you know, you look who's taken over at head coach and in terms of the mindset, you know, this isn't Bruce's team anymore. Do you know what I mean? There is, you know, I think you have to flip to yourself and think, do we help Tom out or do we help out in a real area of need? Do you know what I mean? I think it's, I think it's an interesting one. I absolutely think Ebikati uh, could be, could be there, you know, twitchy edge rusher, you know, can get to the quarterback, played really well at the senior bowl, certainly in the practices as well. Um, yeah, I think he's. Um, I I think Edge is right there, but I, I I just there's something about George Pickens if he's still on the board that just makes me wonder. Like the just the Tom Brady thing just makes me think, you know, because they're a team that are comfortable in their own skin in terms of taking yeah. risks on players, and so that wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't for me either. The, the one wild card for them, I think, hanging out there is linebacker, only because Devin White and David are limited in what they do. And because they've not re-signed Sue, I do think now that that, that Bowles is in charge, they could be interested in kind of changing what they want to do in the second level in the pressure package world. You know, he is a pure pressure package guy, but a lot of what they've done is the biggest guys possible up front and then just man pressures, right? Whereas I think with the way the league is going and it's so zone pressure oriented, it's, it's creep as it's simulated pressures. I think they want to live in that world. And they tried some last year, but they just don't have the backers. Those are old school downhill thumpers. 
and you can live with one of them and they really struggle when both of them are on the field. So could they be a team where, you know, we've mentioned the Kobe Dean before where we're kind of in this in-out world where the league changed so much over 24 months. We're kind of evaluating teams on what they did last year, but they might want to be someone different heading into next season. We mentioned this with New England before where we're trying to figure out what they would want defensively. Well, Bill Belichick might have a brand new plan for next season defensively. And I think they're one to watch where that cycle of that defensive unit might have come to an end because Sue is older. As you mentioned, JPP, they didn't rush out to go and re-sign him. So I, I wouldn't be completely stunned if they wanted to have a kind of a tweak of what they were doing defensively. Um, just throw something else into the mix. Yeah. What, what potentially do you think about, because to me, I, I genuinely think that somebody like... Um, Travis Jones at UConn, yep. you know, in terms of one of those big space eaters at 332 pounds, again, somebody that ate at the senior bowl in terms of how he, how he performed, you know, pocket collapse with, with, with quicks and, you know, a lot more to him than just being a, a, a big unit in terms of how he plays. Um, and, I, you know, when you get to the senior bowl practices, they give you a sheet of paper with all the numbers and, uh, and a lot of players have sort of changed numbers from, from college. Um, and I remember when Christian Watson walked out and when he walked out, you literally just check the notes and like, who the hell is that guy? Because that is an absolute, you know, physical beast. Um, so I do think, you know, somebody that can can go in, rotate a bit with Vita Vea, you know, if they're not bringing Sue back, you know, those are that that to me is the sort of player that makes a lot of sense as well for a you know, a defensive-minded new head coach. And and he fits their model of Absolutely. Vita perfectly, which was in college, to paraphrase Greg Williams, he sinks his nuts in the A-gap, right? That's all he did. <laughs> Whereas when you got to the senior ball, it's like all of a sudden, whoa, that's some pop and some juice that we, yeah. you know, everyone's got their scary reports down. Okay, he's, he's, he's the guy, like you said, he's the bulk, he's a spade eater, he occupies blocks. Okay, box that one off you know, get to the draft, all of a sudden he's at the senior ball and he's running people over with first step speed. And it's like, hang on a second, this guy's got some extra juice to him, which is what Vita's done as he's got there is slowly and steadily that initial burst that made him such a dominant run defender. They've been able to work into Pasha situation. So I could see that. And I think it will tell us if they make a defense pick exactly what they want to be. Are they just trying to find a serial replacement or do they want to be a different style of defense? Because the greatness of Vita Vea is he'll play anything. Yeah. It'll be dominant for you. So that's a, a perfect tool for them. I do think, though, if, if you've got to take Jones, who I love, would you not just say, and they could be this team that we talked about with Dallas before, where they look at their board and say, our seventh best player is going to yeah. be available Again. At, with the 11th pick, and it's Devontae Wyatt. And we yeah. want a, a one-gap-and-go three-tech who is basically, we let a Dominican Sue walk, but we go and get young and Dominican Sue, not quite as big, but the first step speed at least, and we'll still be a, a, an even front four-down team. Let's go and package some picks. We're in a one-year timeline because Tom Brady's going to leave at any any moment now. I, I would absolutely be looking at them as a move-up possibility. Absolutely. But also, if you don't want a space seater there like Jones, you know, Neil Farrell at 338 pounds in terms of, you know, a big guy. Jaden Peavy at 319. You go down the list of John Ridgway, the Arkansas kid, you know, uh, a massive zero technique, the Illinois State transfer, 327 pounds. You know, those guys are out there if you, you know, if you don't want to invest that high in a Jones, but you know that you can come back in later rounds in the three and early four and bring in a big guy who's just going to fill up some space, be a bit of an oak in the middle, soak up some pressure and allow players around them to make plays. So, yeah, I could actually see that. 
So then KC go back to back. They have 29 and 30. And I can't imagine they'll use both of those back to back. If if I'm them, it's either you go up to get a special player, but I feel as though they've got so many holes defensively yeah. and they need the receiver. Everyone knows that because of the Tyreek Hill trade. I think I'd use one and move one to just get as flood with as many picks in that second round as possible. Because we're in that that window now, as we talked about, after you get past the top 10, where it's like you want to start hunting value right it's like we yeah. like this guy but do i want to take him at 29 or i'm as we mentioned before with the tight ends would i just be happier taking the third guy in the group but taking him at 55 i, I think casey is one where they really will want to start hunting for value they, they need to come out of this draft class with what three four guys you can play in the playoffs that's that doesn't yeah. usually happen in draft classes absolutely and the interesting thing you, you talk about casey and you think you know well this is a team absolutely primed to move up in terms of they're not going to make all these picks they've got but then you think you look at the holes they've got a corner you look at the holes they've got a, a receiver you look at the holes they've got a, a edge and then you think well actually picking 29 picking 30 picking 50 picking 62 you know if you're smart you can come away with four, you know, impact players. Do you know what I mean? That can really help that team. If you, if, you know, maybe they deal one of those picks for a James Bradbury or, an, or, or a, you know, an early day three pick for a James Bradbury in terms of that, some of the chatter. But, you know, like you say, you've got to come away with, uh, and I, I, I weigh up whether or not you move up for a, an inverted comma special player that might help you at a position of need, whether that's a, you know, you could see them jumping up for a Derek Stingley, for example. You know, you could see them, especially if they brought Tyron Matthew back and, and you know, um, and, and had that sort of LSU connection. But you also think, I don't know, is that roster, that roster is so full of holes and it's been full of, you know, they've been so successful almost despite of the fact that they've had yeah. holes. You know, especially in the secondary, uh, especially at corner. And you just think, you know what? Here's your opportunity. You don't need to move up necessarily and just get a Chris Alave and waste your other picks. Why don't you just come away with four really good players that you think can help you at four really big positions of need? I think packaging when you have that special quarterback and so you just bookmark him, we're winning 11 games no matter what. So we're playing in a a postseason every single season. You just have to go darts the dartboard. Mm. Don't be trying to pinpoint. You're not smarter than everyone else in the league. I love Jameson Williams. I think Jameson Williams is the top receiver in the draft. You put him with Patrick Mahomes, and I start going gaga, right? That is the perfect yeah. ideal landing spot. Oh, we lost Tyreek Hill. No problem. We just went and drafted the next Tyreek Hill, as long as all the speed comes back from the ACL tear. But I don't think I'm smarter than all the other 32 teams in the league. So to move up to try to get him is like you have this wonderful margin of error of Patrick Mahomes. So just throw as many darts out there as possible. Take a corner. Even if he's not your favorite, take a corner. Take a linebacker. Take a receiver in the second round. If Sky Moore's there, take Sky Moore. You don't think Patrick Mahomes and Sky Moore can figure that out together? The RPO game will be ruthless. Yeah, The same as having Tyreek Hill without some of the post-catch ability. That that to me, and the only thing I would do in one of those other first round, I would stay well clear of them of tempting myself into trading that for a Bradbury or a guy, I think can be an impact defensive player. I don't think that translates as well in the NFL when a guy's been in the league a couple of years. I would only do it for receiver X because of the way their system is built and it's so much athlete in space. And yeah, if I'm chucking the ball to Debo Samuel in space, it, that, that translates, right? You can make yeah, people absolutely. beat in space. Whereas if I'm playing this morphing rolling system that's based on pre-post-snap disguise, I've not seen James Bradbury do that. So I'd rather just take Andrew Booth 29th yeah. and then i'll go and take 
receiver X at 30 Burks and hope they both pan out rather than trade a pick for a, for a veteran defensive player. And I think you're going to find yourself in a situation with those two picks with the first way, you know, you're probably going to have, you know, Jahan Dotson, Christian Watson, Sky Moore, potentially Traylon Burks on the board. So, you, you know, you might want to make that pick. But if you don't make that pick with with your first two first rounders, then, you know, you can come back. Maybe maybe Dotson falls, you know, maybe maybe Watson falls because people worry about the, the hands issues. You've just mentioned Sky Moore, you know, Alec Pierce of Cincinnati in terms of, you know, as a big kind of height, weight, speed guy at 6'3", 208. You talk about Khalil Shakir, who stood out at the, the senior bowl, the kid out of Boise. You know, maybe you bring in a safety and that's Lewis Seen or it's Daxton Hill or somebody can play multiple positions on the back end. Maybe that's Brisker, you know, but you, you might also find yourself in a situation at 50 or at 62 when one of those players, you know, Brisker potentially, Jalen Petrie might be on. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you can come away and you can really, if, if you're if you're Brett Veach, you can really move that board around and really think about, okay, this player is not available here, but they might be available there because of just the way things are falling. But also if I, in my positions of need, especially being wide receiver and corner, they're the two of the deepest ones in the draft. You know, you could still be there at, you could still be there at 50 potentially. And, you know, something like Kyler Gordon could still be on the board. Something like Roger McCreary, people are worried about the arm length, you know, and you can come away with a, it's really it's really interesting. And I just do not see for people talking about, oh, Casey, they're not going to keep all these picks. They're definitely going to move up. And I just think, you know what? There's just too many holes for you to do that. Just just pick four really good players and, you know, come back straight away in a in, in a in a, a different and a diff, more difficult um, division um, and just, you know, throw your chips on the table and see where they land. The thing they've got in their favor too, so at 29, you are in a spot there where all the intel has been, if Detroit takes a quarterback, it would be that 32, and they'll just yeah. figure out if one of them's there, and that the guys they appear to like are Willis and Ritter, and I don't actually think they like Willis. I think that's just leakage to try and see if anyone will, will move in and around them. So, so you could attempt one of these teams early in the second round to say, Agreed. we want to get up just three spots, and we'll chuck you a third. Will you move down three spots? And because you have them back-to-back, you'll know all the guys on your board, and you say, okay, I know you're coming up for a quarterback, and then we'll still get K.R. Elam, whoever it is we want, at 30. And then the next pick is only three or four back, because it's just one of these teams, the Carolina Panthers, whoever it is, leapfrogging Detroit, and then we're picking again, and we got another pick. So if I'm them, I would be more inclined to do the move yeah, back six that. spots for yeah. another pick. And now I've got five picks in the top 100, basically. And all these guys are on one timeline together, and Patrick Mahomes is going to be here for 10 years. And, exactly. and that's the way I think they have to build it out. Exactly. I couldn't agree more. And I think there'll be a lot of action down the bottom end of that, especially if, as we've sort of semi, not predicted, but semi discussed the fact that, you know, maybe quarterbacks do fall significantly further than we think. And then you're going to have, you know, those teams like Detroit, like Carolina coming up in that early second round. You know, I, I think you could see a number of teams just ducking out the first round because they'll take that sort of pick in the 70s or 80s and, and just add another player where the real value lies in this draft. Do you believe in the idea of Detroit taking one at 32? I, I just can't picture Dan Campbell allowing N'Kobe Dean to get past him. He does not fit what they ran last year, but he is also the most fun player in the draft and um, the, the, the kneecap biter yeah. might not allow N'Kobe Dean to ever leave Detroit. I think he's an absolutely perfect fit for exactly the reasons you said. You know, a guy that just can go and just be an absolute leader. Yeah, Imagine if you're Dan Campbell, you come away from out of the first 30 three 34 picks and you've got Aiden Hutchinson and Nakobe Dean I mean 
It doesn't get much better than that, does it? No, or you could do the other idea, which is you come away with, uh, I don't know, Willis or Ridder, and then another piece you're not quite as confident in. For what they want to do, they just got to take the two best defensive players available yeah. and, and worry about quarterback in a year, two years' time, I okay. feel like. Um, I, by the way, I would just like to point out for people, because you're going to hear this a lot, that this notion that you get back into the first round to get the fifth-year option, uh, find me all the list of players who've played out the fifth-year option, and you'll find a bunch of players who are not very good at playing quarterback in the NFL, right? You, you know very quick if you have one, and they sign them to monster extensions, right? And you can figure it out within the four years if you do it at the top of the second round, too. So a note to teams, too. Do not kid yourselves into giving up draft capital to get a year that you'll never use, right? Yeah, <laughs> How's it going for Baker Mayfield on that, that fifth-year option? Um, so I'll wrap it up then with Cincinnati who have to be, we've mentioned free hits a couple of times tonight, but this is probably the freest hit from the entire draft because their hole, they just wiped out in free agency. Now, I don't know if all those players will work very well. I, I like what they did. I like they tried to completely redefine the profile of the offensive linemen they went for. I thought that was a smart move. And I, if I'm them and I like Zion Johnson, I think he's better than Ted Karras because I do think he can be better than Ted Karras. I would just do that anyway. But they have any number of directions they could go in. Their corners really outplayed their talent level last year. So yeah. maybe just say, let's go get a more talented corner. If heaven forbid, Derek Stingley slides all the way down there, you run as quick as possible up to the podium, start screaming at yourself from the back of the hall to make sure that it it gets in. They could go anywhere, really. Yeah, I think, you know, an Andrew Booth Jr., for example, I think, you know, get, get Joe Burrow another weapon. You've lost uh, CJ Ozama. I know they brought in Hayden Hurst, but, you know, Trey McBride is sitting there, uh, Greg Dulcich, as, as we talked about five, ten minutes ago. You know, there's a situation where you just, you know, I just add another sort of, I don't want to say luxury pick for Joe Burrow, but just give the great quarterback another another weapon. Do you know what I mean? I think yeah, I think they could go in a number of directions. I, I do like the fact that they've, you know, I, I don't think they've done it quite as well as KC did it last year in terms of retooling the offensive line. But I think they've done a, they've done a, a really good job of it. Um I suppose linebacker is another potentially. They, they, they need speed at the second level. And yeah. it, to me, it's do you take a, an off ball linebacker? Because they're very particular with the style of what Wilson and Jermaine Pratt play. And I'm not sure you can take Jermaine Pratt out of that lineup, though. I don't think he's that good. He, I've written about him before. He's the most fascinating player in the league. He might be the most intelligent guy in the league and he's very essential to what they do. But actually, when he's involved in the play, it's not very helpful. Unusual situation to be in as a linebacker. I would, if I'm there, more try and move to a three safety set situation where you, you know you have Bell and Bates and you can be a bit more shapeshiftery. And maybe if you love one of those safeties, because you're in a spot, as we mentioned, the Parcells things of just take the play you like. If you like Petrie, and you like him at, I don't know, where do they pick in the second round? I'm not even sure. You, you pick in the 50s and you like Petrie, take him at 31 yeah. because you don't have a ton of holes anyway. No, I agree. I agree. And uh, I think the three safety thing is really interesting. And I think that throws up a number of, you know, a number of what, you know, what do you think uh, a Lou Anarumo does with a Daxton Hill, yeah. for example, this kind of archetypal sort of modern day Javon Hollandy type secondary player who's fluid and sudden and athletic and play, can play nickel corner and safety and then he can run the alley and he can blitz and he can play special teams and do all these things, you know, in terms of just having a bit of that movable piece, that immovable piece, you know, I think to a, 
a really interesting one. But you know, what about Lewis Seen? You know, somebody who's you know slightly different, but you know, just runs like the wind at six two, hundred and ninety nine pounds. Might be the sort of pound for pound the biggest hitter in the draft in terms of you know in terms of what he does. Again, sort of urgent alley runner. You know, allows Jesse Bates to do what he does on the back end. You know, still one of the most more underrated players in the league in in my eyes, in my mind. Um, Seen as the one I would love to sit down with teams and with him and and see how they interviewed him because he's playing safety right, but his depth of field, however you put it, is at linebacker level. Yeah, absolutely. It, 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 bizarre. The Georgia system, as I've spoken about on here before and written about before, is. They play lurker robber coverage, which is usually one guy rolls into the middle of the field, right bang in the middle of the field, sits at eight to 10 yards to rob the middle of the field so you yeah. can't throw to the first down marker. That it usually has protection behind it. That's why it's one robber because there's one guy deep. George's is, no, the robber is the deep guy. We're yeah. really compressing the field, trying to get everything thrown quickly, but then we have a guy sat in the middle of the field. So he's played linebacker essentially in terms of how he is seeing the field. So if you want someone, I mean, you cannot get away with that in the NFL because Aaron Rodgers will throw past his ear hole and it will go for 40 yards on yeah. every play. But that guy, if you say, okay, we're going to play three safety sets, which they do in the NFL, and a lot of it is Tampa too. Well, who is that guy who sits in that, that middle of the field hole and is going to be the best today. It's going to be Lewis Seen. I, I think Cincinnati desperately wants to play a one linebacker in the box. And the best way to do that is not to go and find a special linebacker and bet on Devin Lloyd or bet on Kobe Dean is to say, we already have two great safeties. Let's go get yeah. another safety. And one of them can, can be the guy in the box. Agreed. Agreed. And I just think, you know, this is a kid that runs 437. He's got a great high IQ kid. I heard he interviewed very well at, the senior bowl because I spoke to a uh, not the senior bowl sorry at the combine because I, I spoke to a um I, I spoke to a scout who had interviewed him been in the room and said he's just bright he's just like football 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 um good backstory just a good kid um so yeah I think he's a, I think it's a great idea in terms of that three three safes because he can but it, it, like I said it, it just allows Bates to do what you, you, you can let's see just do what he wants to do in that second level roaming around and you know in the middle of the field, picking off underneath passes, running, you know, running down ball carriers to the perimeter. Because you know on the back end you've got you've got Jesse Bates who can who can do what he does and he does it so well. All right then, sir. That is us going all the way through the first round of the draft. Look at us. Uh, the the last thing I think we should just touch on quickly is your wildest prediction. What will be the wildest thing? What will be the shocking talking point that we'll be discussing? when we recap this, whatever that is next week. It's a good one, isn't it? What will be the most shocking? I think Thibodeau is getting down to Seattle, which I'm not even sure if that's much of a shock anymore based on what's happening this week, which is, I know we've done a full podcast on Kayvon Thibodeau. You know, he's been doing the interview rounds in Vegas and somehow him talking very articulate in an articulate way has turned teams off even more. It's... Yeah. What about... Nakobe Dean isn't the first Georgia linebacker off the board. Uh, he's not the first linebacker on my board anymore. So if, if, if not even the first Georgia linebacker, not even the first Georgia linebacker on my board. I have Kay Walker ahead oh, of him dear. just a little bit. And as I've said in here, read about a ton, having an overall linebacker board now is is is, is pointless. You know, I'm guessing for every team. You know, I would have if I would if I was a nerdy enough to go through all the front structures in the NFL and rank my linebackers by front structure, one, I would be very single. And two, you know, that I would have Dean Top of one and I would have K Walker and another one. But I 
if, if you wanted to run what Miami runs, which I bet a bunch of teams around the league are saying, we want to go to the Brian Flores route of doing yeah. things, which is everyone moves, everyone roams, everyone morphs. And if we can find great corners, then we can do it. You take K Walker. So you it, Pittsburgh could do that. They could yeah. say, yeah, we're out of the Devin Bush business. We're in the K Walker business because he is the archetypical Jamie Collins, but quicker. You know, Jamie Collins in his prime, if you could draft him now, is K Walker. There's going to be a team who loves that way beyond Nicobe Dean. Who? So here's a question for you then before we jump off. Who are the, who's the one player that nobody's talking about that ends up in the first round? And who's the one player hmm. that we've been talking about for months being an absolutely surefire first rounder who then finds himself in the second round? The one who I think go, I, I'm not sure the name. I think one of the safeties goes in. We see this all the time at the back end of that first round. One one of these super-duper athletic safeties teams just are so much more in love with than everyone else. Um, you know, it could be a brisker, complete chaos agent wants to blast people's heads off. You know, there's got to be a coach who loves that. And they're going to talk themselves into three safety sets and say, well, we don't really want a linebacker here because as we've talked about throughout this, we can go get one of those guys in the fourth, fifth round. But there aren't a ton of Jaquan Briskers walking around out there. So let's go get him. I, I think one of those safeties goes in the first round that we're not necessarily expecting to go in. Of the guys that we expect to go that won't go, that's a tough one because I feel like that's very medical-based. One, one of the receivers might have medical reports we're not we're not fully aware of, which I know is a downer to discuss, but th- that's that's where we're at with it. So I, I don't know. I don't know. Why, who do you have? I don't know, really. I was just was thinking about it when you were asked, uh, answering the previous question. I, I do think what we're going to see, because to the point that we've made almost in every episode that we've done when we've been splitting this sort of first round, is that so many teams are going to have so many players so bunched up that I do think you're going to see a number of players that we didn't expect in the first round just because they've just been a you know a cigarette paper above the players that we thought just because maybe scheme fit or just the just preference do you know what I mean I just think that there'll be some there'll be some players that end up in round one that we thought oh wow we just didn't see that coming but just because everybody's been just so close especially those the you know the really power positions of this this draft in terms of wide receiver corner you know offensive line etc I, I i think there'll be some i don't know who it's going to be but i think there'll be some interesting you know there's a couple of guys i would absolutely bang the table for in the first round that nobody's talking about going in the first round abe lucas at, at washington state i love jalen armor davis at alabama i think he's a really really good corner somebody i think Are they call him the kick step king or something like that king, yeah I mean, now how can you uh, not draft the kip step king if you're playing in a three-match system is it should be illegal <laughs> you go back and look at the tape you look at early in the year one year starter you know looked like a one-year starter back into the season before he got banged up you know he was he was playing an extremely high level and people talk about next year with Keely Ringo and Georgia and things. I think Armour Davis stays in school. I think you're looking at a high first round pick next year for a, for a corner. who has got just great size, great length, great speed. Um, it just wouldn't surprise me in a really packed corner cast. So just somebody just looks at him and goes, you know what? This kid's got so much upside, you know, so much upside that he, you know, like, like we've talked that's, about- that's a Dallas one as well. That, yeah. that has Dallas on it. Absolutely. You look at someone like Booth Jr. For example, who I really like, my number one corner. I think he's a great player. But the questions that you and I aren't going to be able to answer, and we'll only find out tomorrow night, is the fact that, you know, how are his knees? How did his knees look in those those medical checks? Because he's had, 
he's had knee issues. He has Oscar Chatter disease, which causes that swelling and severe pain below the knee joint. You know, he's dealt with leg injuries and knee injuries ever since he hurt his knee, tore his ACL in, in high school. He's had tendonitis in the knee. He's had surgery on a torn patella tendon as a freshman at Clemson. He didn't work out of the combine because he had to have surgery on a core muscle issue, uh, core muscle injury. But the knees could be a, you know, a thing where you just think Andrew Booth Jr., a really good player who's been at times dominant at Clemson, other times not been been quite as good. But somebody that could fall just because of the medicals and something that you know you and I just not gonna have a handle on at the moment. The medicals plus when guys haven't played a ton of football, you know, everyone learns differently. So when you're on the whiteboard with the guy and you're asking him to do checks and it's trip checks and it's a stat check, if he's someone who learns on the field, he's not been on the field a whole ton. He's not going to be as impressive as someone who's a whiteboard guy, I suppose, mm. you know, and learns visually or from reading. Um, you know, I look at something like Tariq Woolen, yeah. UTSA. Would not surprise me if Tariq Woolen ended up in the first round just because of some of the things that people were saying at the senior bowl in terms of, you know, what they could do with him. This kind of like monstrously athletic freak, freak of nature, 6'4, 205, incredibly long. <laughs> it's ludicrous. It's, it's ludicrous. ludicrous. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> you know, but. Like, if Carolina, like Matt Rule, like was a massive fan. Baylor heavily recruited Woolen when Matt Rule was the head coach there. It was a massive. You could see. I mean, could you see Carolina moving up into the back end of the first round to take a Tariq Woolen? But maybe think, they felt like he was going to. Do you know what I mean? The, I, I, they're they're swinging like, hard, right? If they go quarterback at six, you may as well say bleep it, and we're going to have to take someone at the back end of the first round, so we can also say, ah, oh, that quarterback thing might not have worked out. But have you seen the six four DK Metcalf playing cornerback that yeah. we've that we've drafted? Forty a forty two inch vert, a ten eleven broad jump. You know, the, the kid is ridiculous. He looks fantastic up close and, and just, you know, people are just raving about him at the Senior Bowl. Um, so, yeah, he's somebody that wouldn't surprise me going in round one. All right, then we'll, what we'll do then, because people like to say if you were right or wrong and, and you know, fact checkers, and we, we ripped off about 50 names as I yeah, want exactly. to do at the end. So no, I will no. say my prediction of the guy who gets in who people aren't expecting, I think Nick Cross. I think oh, one of these really? athletic yeah, safeties... One of these athletic safeties will go in. Brisker's too good that he's already borderline. So I think Nick Cross and a team just wants a a hyper-athletic safety, and he goes. The guy who falls out, oh, that's the tougher one. I'm not going to say Burks. A team probably loves Burks. Watson doesn't count because he's borderline anyway, right? Yeah, that doesn't count. Do you have your guys? Can you? Can you? I think Woolen is the guy that goes in, and I think. I'm going to have to think about. I think Burks might be. I think Burks might end up in round two. I think oh, Dean might end up in Burks. <laughs> I'll go Dean because I do well, think then. Dean. I do think Dean will. I think Dean goes out. I think, and I and my other bold prediction is I do think Walker goes before Dean. And it's okay, surprising. I've got another one actually. I've okay. got another one. Carl Aftis. It would be ridiculous. I that one is staggering to me. But. Again, and I hate to keep reaching around on Peter King as much of a big fan as I am. King didn't have him in round one, and Breer didn't have him in round one. I mean, we will, we will have to end sorry, because but... this is the NFL draft. We'll have to end with quarterbacks, right? We've barely discussed quarterbacks because they ain't a fun quarterback class. Who is the first quarterback taken? How many go in the first round? Who is the first quarterback taken? How can we not know this? I know. 24 hours before the draft. First quarterback taken. I am going to go with Malik Willis. At six. 
No, I don't think Carolina are taking a quarterback. I'm going to go Malik Willis to Tennessee. And that's the first quarterback off the board. And I think... All that way. I think... I think two go. In the, I think three go in the first round. Two conventionally, and then one somebody moves back up into round one. Wow. And I think they are Ridder, Willis, and a another. <laughs> Pickett is going. People like Pickett. I mean, I don't get it personally, but people like Pickett. Maybe Pickett. The Saints are going to pick Pickett, and it's going to just be a disastrous three years. <laughs> That would be awful. I'd rather roll the Taysom Hill. <laughs> All right, then. That'll do it for our coverage of the of the run-up to the draft. This has been an absolute blast doing this. You can still go and get Cy Clancy's draft guide, 400-plus reports, find out what people eat for breakfast, find out whose horse is named Wendy. You know this by now. Go over to readoptional.substack.com slash draftguide. Go and get the draft guide in time for the draft so you can sit there pick by pick and I will tell you whether it was a smart pick or not a smart pick based on the report we've just had over from our producer side that Trayvon Walker is being confirmed as the first pick, which we did call, by the way, well before Caesars and all the odds people got involved in this two weeks ago. And that was, I think, the first one we did must have been because it was the first pick. So it's been a fun journey doing this. It's been a blast. Great. I hope people go and check out the draft guide in the run up to the draft. 